Welcome to another edition of Michael L. Craver Presents. It is a beautiful Thursday, January the 28th, 2021. It's winter weather, lots of uh, delays and things that are going on in the state of North Carolina being, being rearranged, and that's what I'm doing with my schedule. If you've been listening on all the flagship networks, you got Spotify and iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iTunes, you got Listen Notes, Verbal, Stitcher. It's out there. Grab your copy. Subscribe today. Michael L. Craver presents. <laughs> Look, being childish because I decided to mix it up. I've been going through enabling amnesty. There is a host of interconnected topics that were going down. And if you're listening to the episodes in order, it's like reading a good book. Not today. Today, we're going to rearrange things. And I was writing down a list of things this morning because I was feeling passionate about talking about children. Uh, In a good way. I was watching old Saturday Night Live clips, Norm MacDonald clips yesterday, and he was just... He was ruining, taking the good name of Michael Jackson through the mud. <laughs> he was just not being a good Canadian, old Norm Macdonald. Anyway, um, maybe I'll put a few of those clips in in the show here for you. But uh, no, it come across my radar that you know sometimes people don't appreciate the time with children as much as they could or should. Uh, as you're a teacher, of course, you know you get to life lessons and learn those things, and like a great agent who signs the kids to a good contract, gives the people a good piece of wisdom, you know, you get to watch that play out. You're a farmer. You're planting a seed. Well, really, the dad is the one who's the planting the seed. Anyway, you understand what I'm saying. Forget the humor here. Enough seed talk. Um, I was thinking about Terry Reed every time I say the word seed. He says this great, great, great CD. Seed of Memory. By Terry Reed, and I was exposed to that music. Uh, fun fact about Terry Reed: I was exposed to that music uh, by listening to the Devil's Rejects um, soundtrack, Rob Zombie's Devil's Rejects, oh, one of the great horror movies of the last. I guess it's two decades ago now. Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, then the Devil's Rejects, and they have the um, Three from Hell, I believe, is the sequel. I haven't watched it. I need to. Uh, I've got it on my computer. I downloaded. It. I need to watch it. But uh, the fun fact about that is Terry Reed turned down the job to be the lead singer of the new Yardbirds. The Yardbirds? Like Foghorn, Leghorn? No. Terry Reed turned down the job and, uh, and recommended a singer. Name of, uh, name of Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. They worked together, right? The Yardbirds needed some work, and they became the new Yod Buds. You know them as Led Zeppelin. Terry Reed gave up the lead singer gig of Led Zeppelin. He he already had some bookings, so he gave it to the next young man. Uh, but his music is it's out of this world, brother. He's still performing. I don't know if he's still performing now. I know that I could still see House of Blues and local concerts. He's another one of these English rockers. Love those, you know, James Blunt, Passenger, Iron Maiden. All the Gallagher boys in Oasis and beyond. A lot of great, great music comes out of England. It's because they have a great education system for music and a great heritage. But uh, we're going to go back to the 
education and children and things. I believe in just being extremely flexible when it comes to kids and tolerances, not just because they're innocent, but I think kids are exploring you as much as you're trying to manage them, and when they're trying to get a reaction out of you, or they're trying to see whether or not something works, maybe one of the things that's important is showing them how harshly the uh, bite back is. Are you going to smack them, or are you going to jack them, or are you going to kick them around no hopefully not right but there's times that it's going to be like an episode of that what's what's the mtv show the um it's not pranked punked whatever but it's um they've got a show where they go on there and they start irritating people to see how long it takes them to uh spaz out i should google this but um kids do that to you What's it going to take to break mom and dad? <laughs> and um, they they will sometimes have that secret sentence uh, formula, the ingredient they need to, as I said, planting a seed earlier. They'll have that, that magic bean for Jack and the Beanstalk, the one that'll take you all the way to the top of your thermometer till you can't take anymore and you've had it up to here. And you decide to unleash on them like a volcano on the villagers. And uh, just be careful how you handle those things. You're the experienced veteran in that situation. And it is a person with less, uh, generally speaking, it is a smaller human being than you who you've got the upper hand on. So uh, I think there's a level of responsibility that goes with that. That with Mankind, Mick Foley from wrestling, he said... Uh, he said the mandible claw, his finishing move, was power tempered with mercy. And I think that's a good way to do your parenting. Well, not to put the mandible claw on your children, by the way. I'm not advocating you put wrestling moves on your children as a punishment. That's a reward. Just ask my kids. Dad, let's wrestle. All right. It just so happens when your kids are stomping on you. It's not like in wrestling where they use the light part of the ball of the foot and they're stomping on the guy. You know, they're, they're not doing it for impact and show. They're using the heel of the foot like they're trying to drive a shovel into the ground. Oh, take that, Dad! Like, I got to be able to breathe out of these lungs, son. Who do you think's going to go out and get that money to buy your Xbox, uh, what is it, X series or whatever? Yeah, that's where we're at. Um,. These are interesting uh, things that I wrote down here. Playing the fool being one of those. That as you have kids around you, whether they're yours or whether you're a guardian, a role model, a member of society at large, sometimes it's really good to play the fool and show kids that you know sometimes grown-ups can screw up and they can be wrong and let them have the pseudo upper hand. We'll give you a an example i mean if if me and uh the kids are going to eat and i i like to cut all my chicken up and dice it up and spice it and throw it in the pan and then i would traditionally just eat those diced pieces of chicken out of a pyrex glass why because pyrex is made for insulation it's made to go in the microwave 
you're much better off to just own a bunch of Pyrex measuring cups to eat out of for your bowls and soup and everything else than you are to own decorative dishes. They're much more, they're far more dexterous, and they can be used for all kinds of purposes. They can take more wear and tear, heat, cold, you name it. They're superior in every way. The cosmetics don't mean anything to me, so those are my selfish values. But uh, you play the fool. You make your chicken, as I do. I'd set the bowl down somewhere that was convenient to turn my back and tell the kids, mm-hmm. Oh, man, this is going to be so good. I'd turn around and go look like I'm digging through the drawer for a fork. And, of course, I'm taking the forks and I'm clang, 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 clang. Yeah, I could have grabbed the one off the top and turned around real fast. This isn't the fork I want. Where's the fork I want? And, of course, I'm listening in the background, even though there's clanging forks in front of me. I'm listening to see when the child behind me grabs some chicken out of the dish or grabs the dish at large and runs off with it. And I turn around and throw the other fork up in the air. Hopefully it doesn't stab me in the head or anything. Right? You throw the other fork up in the air by surprise. What are you doing? Clang, 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 clang. The fork falls all over the floor. That's my chicken! Give me back that chicken! Now, there's some asshole out there who's going to tell you that that's encouraging people to be some kind of Alibaba thief in the night and steal chicken from people. But uh, I didn't raise my kids to be chicken thieves and horse wrestlers or nothing like that. Is it chicken wrestlers? Anyway, that's not what I'm doing. I'm telling them that they can get one over on Dad. And as they got older, you know, we worked together and we cooked together and we, you know, you invite them in. It's like feeding a stray animal. Don't feed them stray animals because they'll keep right on coming back. Well, maybe they will. Maybe you'll develop a relationship with them, dickhead. Like, like, there's nothing wrong with trying to sit back and enjoy the possibilities of nurturing the possibility of it growing into a meaningful two-way relationship. At this point, it's a one-way relationship. You're baiting the hook and slinging it out there, right? Well, not really. No, you're not really because you're going to catch that fish and scale him and fillet him and eat him. You're going to end his existence. In this situation... I am luring you in as as you would uh, catch more flies with honey kind of thing. I don't know why. Why do people say that? Catch more flies with honey. You would, but why would you want to eat flies and waste your honey? That That's something we'll examine at a different date. But you understand what I'm saying. You uh, want to get that stray cat to make sure he's fed. You get this kid who's inquisitive and he's hungry. And I want to make it fun for him to eat. I want him to enjoy food. Maybe it's something he wouldn't have eaten otherwise. Maybe I've got broccoli and carrots in that bowl. And I turn around and I say, oh man, this food's going to be so good. And he comes and steals my carrots and eats them. Oh, my kid won't eat vegetables. Yeah, because you don't know how to sell it to him. That's what I'm doing. I'm a salesman right here. Yes, I'm being foolish. Yes, the guy's going to get in the car and he's going to test drive it with you and you're going to get behind the wheel and he's going to be man, I don't think I could drive this. I'm not good enough for this car. I couldn't drive this car this fast. But you you want to see how fast it'll go? Punch that pedal over there. He sold it to you. Of course he knows how fast the car will go. He's supposed to be an expert. He's a salesman. He's got the, uh, I guess they call it the um, Kelly Blue Book sheet, but now they're all, uh, is it N-A-D-A? Not Napa, Napa. But anyway, 
he's got all the specs, and he's the guy who's responsible for writing the contract for this car. He knows the extensive history of this car, so he can sell it to you. You don't think he knows how fast it'll drive. <laughs> who's the fool now? He sold it to you. Um, yeah, but it's important to do that with kids. I mean, let them push you over the couch and, I mean, whatever's comfortable for you. If you got bad coordination, shoulders, don't be putting yourself in mortal risk and then blaming it on my podcast. That's right, Michael. I let my kids throw me down the stairs because I heard it on your podcast. Oh, yeah? You hear me at the bottom of the stairs? or Yeah, okay. Profanity wears off like graffiti. Yes, it does. I mean, my oldest son is 14 now. He ain't cursed in forever. Um, <laughs> my, my, the children's mother. Apparently the cat jumped on him and scratched him. And I saw this. He had some decent claw marks. He looked like the, the, is it the Dark Knight where the dogs jump on Batman and they leave these giant marks on him. Yeah, he had marks like that from a cat. And she said that he said, can I have permission to curse? <laughs> and he cursed at that cat. Oh, you always want to have permission before you lay into that pussy. Um, they're loud and they laugh from their soul. Yes, they do. I'm going to go back to the profanity thing, but I, I wrote some clever stuff here. The profanity thing begins and ends with how your reaction plays along with their use of profanity if you jump all over them and get your blood pressure up and do that volcano metaphor that i mentioned earlier and they see you have a meltdown hey that's clever you said volcano earlier i didn't get it and you said a meltdown i can have a meltdown have fun with your words people it's it's amazing how they'll come together like a puzzle yeah profanity will wear off of them it just doesn't have the same value it's the same as, as anything else it gets watered down over time it gets stale like an open bag of chips. And yes, they can keep going back to it if you keep recognizing their words. But it, And shutting them down, by the way, is recognizing their words. Anytime they elicit a reaction from you, they're getting what they want. Now you're playing the fool because they're messing with you. They're cling, cling, cling. They're playing you like an instrument, only with your heartstrings. And think about what that'll do to your insides. They're loud and they laugh from their soul. They do. Kids who are having a good time, and you hear it if you're next to a playground or you know if you listen to your kids play Call of Duty, if you've watched the videos. And when I say they laugh uh, from their soul, uh, it's equally as powerful when they're being wretched. The kid who doesn't win at the video game, but he takes his controller like an Olympic uh, track and field athlete and discs throws that controller into the TV... The guy who's playing Guitar Hero, if you've never watched these videos, go on YouTube and watch video game, you know, uh, TV break or whatever. Uh, this guy, <laughs> it's not as popular now, but Guitar Hero and I guess, what, are the, what is the other one? Rock Band? But the people will be playing these, these songs of whatever difficulty. I'm not alleging that it was the hardest difficulty because these people didn't have the highest tolerance levels. You're playing the song and get the wrong note and, it, you know, they didn't win that level. And the guy takes the guitar and he turns it upside down so he's grabbing the neck of the guitar like a the handle on a fishing pole or more like the handle of a baseball bat. And he'd swing this video game controller, this guitar, into the television in an amazing act of 
defiance. Now, don't get me wrong, in the 80s and before, there was a lot of people who used to take their guitars and just smash them on stage. I don't know why nobody does any of that anymore. I mean, they're making all this money. Just smash them. Really, I guess if you really love your instruments, you'd, you'd do like wrestling. You'd have a backup guitar and some sort of illusion or whatever, and you'd slide of the hand. You'd grab the, the bad guitar and smash it all over the stage. Not smash your good one. But yeah, these, these kids, you know, they laugh from very deep in the, the cockles, the cackles um, of their soul. The catacombs is, is what they, the way they call it in the uh, Count of Monte Cristo. Is that the Count of Monte Cristo? The catacombs? But you, you hear them with innocence, and that is this provocative energy that they have, this resource that is more natural than anything you can man-made or with automation right it's it's the power of nature that's so funny and you'll see them laugh and they'll cry they'll pee themselves when's the last time someone's funny enough for you to pee yourself and nope i'm not talking about once you're old enough to lose control of your faculties and then you pee yourself because that's just unregulated that's without nate dog and warren g there's no regulators in this one right this is where you Lost control, and you need a you need an adult per, piece of personal protective equipment. Is what you need. You need some PPE for your penis or your vagina or whatever, and you need to wear a diaper. I'm talking about if you are young, and you remember when you're young, you see something that's funny, you'll laugh and fall out to swing. That's Red Fox. I tell, I tell my jokes to kids. They laugh. They fall out the swing. You know, <laughs> picture these kids falling out of the swing. But everybody loves the America's Funniest Home Videos, the ironies, the slip and falls and fails and, and things that happen throughout life. And when you see those, or as a kid you discover something that is just like, it's off your radar, but it hits you. Like, as, a, as an adult, I think the only thing that gets that reaction out of somebody's rib cage, or they're, they, when they laugh or they tense up like that, it's not a laugh. The only tension that people get like that as an adult um, are one of two ways, but they're all electronically induced. And the most prevalent probably is against your will uh, with a taser. All right? They tase you. You're going to be, you know, tensing up like when you're uncontrollably laughing. And when you're smaller, there's, it's not called taser it's called tickling my kids are very you know they'll even try to tickle me as an adult um you grab you know their feet and you do the old fingernail down the middle of the foot or whatever and you, you tickle somebody and you, you drive them crazy but you do that in a way to make them laugh give them these great reactions sometimes it breaks people from a bad mood a bad sequence of events just Laughter is the cure for it. And, you know, I was just thinking if you laugh, if you um, tickle your child until they pee themselves, you are then playing the fool again because guess who's going to clean all that up and do the laundry? Right? Then you might have to use some of this profanity. This is all coming around. The, uh, the last thing that's written on here, and I, I didn't make a whole lot of notes today, is that innocence has a higher volume which I thought was a great sentence. Innocence has a higher volume. 
Don Henley has a great song called The The End of the Innocence on his I think it's on the actual Miles album after he left the Eagles. But um Innocence is very interesting and it's very important because you teach a kid to steal your food off the counter to have fun or to curse or use profanity or they learn what the middle finger is or whatever. That's innocence. That's not malicious. It's them discovering something. It's the same as your dog who's discovered something. He's chewing it up out of innocence. He's not being malicious. He's being a dog. Child, being a child. Fucking relax. Yes, that's that is the cost of having a new person, animal, otherwise in your home. That's the risk that you take. Taking a foreign exchange student and they put the wrong thing down the toilet and it's, oh my god. Well, in my country, we flush the tampons. Do you? What the? You know, but you never know. You never know. There's all kinds of unknown risks that come along with that. I mean, you're compromising. You know, it's like leaving your house unlocked and you come back home three days later. Wonder who's been in my house. Hopefully, hopefully nobody, right? Or maybe a neighbor who needed to borrow something, a family member, whatever it might be, who has stopped by and they've been uh, a good neighbor. Maybe they've returned something, left you some money or some cookies on the counter for when you get back. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe you gain, maybe you lose. But that is that's innocence. Now, a lot of people will tell you that that's a lack of security or you're opening the door up for a lot of problems. Yeah, you could be by teaching your kid to curse or by being foolish. But part of being able to make progress in life is trying and failing. Everybody, and that's those are all old quotes. There's several of those in my John M. Shanahan, The Most Brilliant Thoughts of All Time in Two Lines or Less, my, my, my favorite, most used book I got over here. And there's so many quotes that revolve around the idea that you didn't you you failed every time up until you succeeded. Oh, he was... He failed a million times until he succeeded once. Like that's all that matters, and and it could be in reference to Aristotle or some you know famous scientist, historian, mathematician. Otherwise, um, not historian, but you know the idea. My keys were in the last place I looked. Yeah, no shit. Like, well, why would you keep looking if you already found them? But you don't always find them, and you don't always succeed. Right? I'm not telling you every situation is fixable, but let me tell you something. The people who end up with all these issues with allergies and medical, a lot of medical problems and a lot of dietary problems can be avoided by trial and error. And what I mean is you expose them or you have a tolerance to vegetables, glutens, milk, whatever item, right? I can't believe he's seven and he's got a dairy allergy. How much milk and how much dairy items did you, you know, expose them to you know, at a younger stage in life? Did you even attempt this, or is this something that you've now let them develop an allergy to it by a lack of exposure? That's that's real for those of you who are not out there. 
But maybe you didn't know that because you didn't experiment enough to find that information. There's a lot of things you're going to hear that you just disagree with, but you're not willing to go look them up. And even if you found that there was research done and it conflicts with what you believe, it doesn't make it any less true. I don't believe that. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, it doesn't affect the truth, so... How is it I say? I said the truth is what you believe in until you find that that's not accurate. And once you believe in something that is not accurate, you don't have the truth. It's pretty simple. The truth is the abstract idea of believing the correct thing. Once you have information that is incorrect, you no longer believe in the truth. You believe in a fallacy or a falsehood or otherwise. It would be. What else is on this paper? Notes from my manager. This is how organized I am, people. I'm childlike in my organization for this podcast today. It looks like I've covered everything that's... The other side of this is a group of... Listings for what to get kids, it is, for their birthday and for Valentine's Day. Do something sweet for your kids. Come up with an excuse. Buy them something for Valentine's Day. Remind them that Valentine's Day could be a time of giving or gifts or receiving. Because as they get older, if you want to be in that routine, uh, give them good memories that associate themselves with Valentine's Day. Don't let them turn 12 and 15 and 18 and 16 and 21. All these strange numbers are going to come and go perhaps with and perhaps without a relationship or a loved one or otherwise. And these folks that you see that are out there and complaining about the holidays, they are not equipped to deal. Oh, another Valentine's Day. I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. Go give something to to a loved one, a family member, or otherwise. Find an excuse to make it a fucking different day. And do something cool. Do something for your kids. For Valentine's Day? Yes. Let them be your Valentine or whatever. Like, who cares? Give them an Easter basket and give them gifts on Easter. It's President's Day. Here's a $100 bill. It's got the president on it. Which, I guess you can do that up until they change the... Well, that's true. Ben Franklin wasn't president. And so now they're talking about taking Andrew Jackson off the 20. That's a whole different thing. Anyway, if you're going to give him a dollar amount for President's Day, don't, apparently, you shouldn't give him the C note because Ben Franklin wasn't a president. So uh, give him a bill that has a president on it, like the $1 bill for George Washington. But kids are. <laughs> They're an experiment. They really are. You conceive them. You could do it by design or otherwise. But they're an experiment. They're a very loose experiment at best. And nobody knows the perfect way to educate and feed and clothe and everything else their child to have this large-scale result. Like You can plan it meticulously, but there's too many factors in the world for everything to, to be in this controlled setting too much out there you need to prepare kids to know when somebody's looking the other way 
To steal their food? Yeah, is that what you're saying? Maybe you need to prepare them for when somebody's looking the other way so they can tell if somebody else is going to jump that guy from behind or to protect their food or to look out for their loved one, their neighbor, their community at large. Oh, yeah. Be dexterous when you look at things. Look at things from all considerable angles. And at all considerable angles would be the, you know, right? That'd be the perfect world. But this idea that, you know, there's a lot of the things that I say people will take and they'll just sit back and, oh, let, okay, I'll, let me pick and choose. Okay, number one applies to me. Number three, four, not six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And it, it's ridiculous. Maybe you should look for those things and see if they're out there. You'll find that somebody will put a, a viral video or some concept about their children or otherwise in front of you, and all of a sudden you realize that you never noticed that about your situation. Hmm. What does that mean? It was always there. You just didn't notice it. And there's certain things, with, especially with children and the potential and the, the limited... It's like I was saying about being a farmer. There's this limited um, window that um, we have with kids to be able to develop them for maturity, for schooling and otherwise. And it's extremely important to recognize where those opportunities are, what the time frame for those things are, and to make the most of the opportunity to let them have some say-so in their own destiny as well. So when you create these situations and you play the fool or you give them control, yeah, you need to be a regulator. That doesn't mean you need to... I, I can't think of the lyrics to the song. I wanted to be really clever and talk about Nate, Dog, and Warren G. You're just sitting back and watching kids grow up and you're not active and you're not foolish. You're not giving them the opportunity to get the better of you and see vulnerable spots and look for things they can... They're openings, right? They're openings for them to say something funny. There's openings for them to ask you to go to the park. It might be an opening for them to do something stupid. And you need to, Then you need to slap them on the hand. What are you doing? Get your hand away from the stove. Whatever it might be. I just, I feel like there's there's so many things that people are so busy with their life, and they think that uh, I'm I'm there with them. I look, I spent two hours with my kid. What'd you do in that two hours? You could sit down and have a conversation with a friend for two hours and get nowhere. You could sit down with a therapist and get somewhere in thirty minutes. He's a stranger. Your best friend knows you better than anybody. Yeah, but one is that okay. Pull those ideas together. Do you want the best you? Do you want to make the most of the time? It's up to you. Because you can, there's a lot of time that you need to sit around and you need to let, show your kids like it's innocence and you're not working yet and it's time to play and time to be a kid and have creativity and imagination and let the water flow like wine right you play in the bathtub sling the water on the walls draw on the bathtub you know get them all kinds of pencils and papers and puzzles and 
cards and games and board games, video games. Let them have a whole lot of opportunity to start from scratch and see if they create something or to play within the rules of a situation if it's Monopoly or whatever it might be and see how they excel when there's regulations put in place. And I say regulations, but rules, you know what I mean. Because if you don't ever show them structure, but you also don't ever show them what an open field looks like, they're never going to know when to grow. They're never going to know when to go wild, how to picture things, how to look around and have a concept. Not follow somebody else's dot, dot, dot roadmap. A lot of people out there big on astrology. I'm a Leo. I'm a Cancer. I'm a Scorpio. Okay, great. Somebody else already connected the dots for you. What are you doing? I read my horoscope, and my horoscope says, it says what? It tells you who you're going to be? Why don't you do things for a month and write them down in your diary? And then... Go back after that month is over and read the horoscopes that happened in that month and see if they line up with your diary. That'd be a good blind test. Hmm? Once you let the kid have the opportunity to do whatever you think he might do or might not do and then go back and have a review session with him. Oh, I don't know, like your boss is going to do when he gives you some freedom and then he talks to you about it afterwards. Not everybody's going around like the prison guard, slapping you on the hand and saying, Mm-mm, lights out. Some people need to be hands off, and they need to let people grow. And there's such thing as having no structure and giving them too much freedom. Let's be very, very clear. You can play the fool by being the person who has no expectations of their kids they do not believe in homework we don't believe in modern medicine we don't believe in being informed nothing about the weather there's no structure to how we pay the bills who cares what you wear and how you wear it and that is how you unravel the fabric of a community Because what you are looking for, and what I'm trying to express here, is there are, there is there is that time to be a kid in these developmental stages and these very finite windows to make the most progress. And then you have this other, and it is, it's an opportunity to just let it go wild. Not just being the fool, but being completely hands-off. Maybe you're an absentee parent. What does that mean? What kind of example is that? Well, it, I guess that's no example. And if you've never sat down and looked at any of the information, looked at the studies about what it means to not be an example, not interact with the kids, single-parent households versus these other models, it would do you some good to have that information. If you're educated enough to interpret and comprehend that information, it'll go a lot farther. You may not like what you see. That doesn't make it any less true. Not me. Not my kids. Yeah. Remember that as time goes on. Because that's who, who, you know, 
will be part of this future example where the end of the sentence is, that's right, not you. Why am I getting treated differently? Remember your logic, not you. We're different. We don't fall into those patterns. We don't want to be part of that system. Okay. Well, you've opted out. Who knows where that'll... T- I can't imagine that's going to lead you in the best direction possible. There's people who make the most of that. They got an alternative lifestyle. They want to be the folks that people look at and... Um, you know, bright orange shirt, or you know, you you want to have a slogan or a cause, or do something that's going to get you noticed in a different way. All that tells me is that you don't have the ability to shine and succeed when the other rules are in place. So, I don't know. Being an outlaw was only fashionable a long time ago. Um, nowadays, not so many of those folks. We live in a very interesting place where kids are the ones who play cowboys and Indians or cops and robbers or his child's games. Now, don't get me wrong because there's grown-ups who grow up and they play cops and robbers and they lose. But... <laughs> Uh, and there's there's kids who grow up to dress up like a cowboy their whole life, no matter where they live or whether they deal with livestock or otherwise. And now, and I know somebody made this reference, uh, Tom Segura talks about how you know nobody dresses up like a knight and says, I'm doing the queen's work. <laughs> but they, in fact, Tom, as you look around at the cosplay and the Comic-Cons and so forth, There are a lot of folks who decide they're going to opt into being some sort of a character, living vicariously through someone else throughout the adult part of their existence. It's important to know how to interact with kids to do it in a scientific way. And when I say scientific, I'm not talking about you've already figured it all out. No. You have experiments, and some of them then will will be very successful, and some of them will be disasters. If you are a parent, you have an obligation to be a scientist. If you live in a world where it's all cartoons and characters and dress up, and what did I say in the earlier episode? I wrapped it up and said, you know where you need to be. You need to be with the rest of us. You need to come back to reality. So, About time to wrap up my, my episode about children. If you're listening on any of the platforms, you're more than welcome to share it and give a review and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we've got some other revelations of things that will happen next month. And the next episode, I'm going to go back to tying into my greater philosophy of how we empower and enable and we're accountable to one another. And you want to be doing it by the book, right? Maybe, maybe not. But as a society, we're bound together by the fabric of society as the spine of a book would be. And that's all part of a lot of documentation and, you know, history. The the human record of things. 
And when it comes down to it, you you don't want to be undocumented, do you? Metaphor or not, doesn't change the truth. You guys take care, and uh, I'll be coming your way tomorrow for a wonderful Friday episode. And if your ass is a buster, 213 will regulate.